0: Well, I want to welcome you to week two of a series we kicked off last weekend called Don't Take What? The Bait. Don't Take The Bait. What we're learning to do in this series is so important, that is to live free from the trap, the trap of an offense. Now, the reason we're calling uh, an offense a trap is simply because that's the word Jesus used. Jesus used this very specific word in Scripture when he said offense, and the other New Testament writers did as well. It's this Greek word, scandalon, and it literally means the bait that you stick on a trap, that when someone takes the bait, the trap closes over the victim and either kills the victim or completely traps it and cages it. And what we have to learn in our lives is that when we feel offended, when we feel offended, and there's gonna be offenses come in your life, if you take the bait of an offense... You are the one that is going to destroy you, your family, your marriage, your kids, your career. And so we learned last weekend, we gotta learn to step over the trap, to not take the bait. And I really feel like this series is coming at a a really, it's just a crazy opportune time because 2020, I think, has been the year of being offended. I mean, there's so much about this year that you just wanna forget, but when you think about it, someone's offended you, something's offended you, something has got you riled up. In fact, uh, some of my favorite memes, there's been a bunch of memes about 2020, I think they're really funny. I'm gonna show you two of my favorite favorites. The first one is this, <laughs> 2020, <laughs> one star, very bad, do not recommend, you know, it's like, don't go there. This is probably my favorite meme of 2020 though is this, if 2020 was a scented candle, <laughs> you know, it's like, just these lit up porta potties, just stinking up the whole place. It's like it's been a year where many of us have been offended, and yet, what we learned last weekend is this idea: is that avoiding an offense is impossible. Jesus said it's impossible. You're gonna you're gonna have offenses come your way. So avoiding an offense is impossible, but living offended is a choice. And the only way you don't live offended is you have to learn to not take the bait, or if you've taken it, to get yourself free of the trap of an offense. And today, I want to take our conversation a little bit deeper, and I want to talk about one of the most destructive traps you can ever fall into, and that is the trap of revenge. Now, there's a universal truth when we feel offended, and it's this. When we feel wronged, it feels right to take revenge. I mean, just think about your earliest childhood memories. I mean, as a, as a child, what happened when someone pushed you? What did you automatically want to do back? You push them back. I mean, someone hits you. I mean, I remember this. When you hit me, I'll be like, bam! You just hit them back. Someone takes something from you. What do you automatically do? Well, I'll take something back from you. And this just kind of this idea just kind of follows itself into adulthood. Now, CCV's a place, and I want it to be this way where you can always be honest and you know you're always gonna get the real me on stage, okay? So can we just get real today? Is anybody else wanna admit besides me that when you feel offended, you don't just wanna get even. Anybody else here wanna go beyond even? Take it up a notch. Can I just, if, you, if that's you, just raise your hand. I'm raising my hand. I don't want to get even. I want to get beyond even. In fact, I can relate. In, in the opening pages of scripture, it's this really interesting verse. In Genesis chapter four, there's a man named Lamech, and there's not much we know about him, but listen to what it says in Genesis chapter four. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. I will destroy you 77 times more and I, I, I can relate with that. In fact, in our household, I, I have a, a little bit of a reputation of, like, not getting you back even. I'm going to go a little bit of step above. Anybody else out there? You've done this. So I'm going to give you an example, and I'm not proud of it. Okay, but I called Jamie this week, and I said, hey, you know how sometimes I'll take it up a notch? And she goes, uh-huh. And I said, what's an example? And I could barely get the words out of my mouth before she said, oh, the water incident. And we just laughed about it. We started laughing over the phone. But I promise you when it happened, she was not laughing. Here's what happened. Jamie and I have always liked to have fun in our marriage. I mean, we've always like rouse each other, or like, you know, play, play a practical joke or prank on each other. So when we first got married, what we did was, and I think I started this, so I'm gonna admit I probably started it. Um, when, when one of us was taking a shower, the other person would sneak into the kitchen, pour a cold glass of water, and they'd just dump it over the other person without them suspecting while they're taking like, their warm shower. And it's like a burst of cold, cold water, and we'd always laugh about it like, ha oh, you got me. And, but you know, you just go back to your warm shower, it's not that big of a deal, right? But I was always taking it up a notch, because she'd get me back with the cold glass of water, so I would use a bigger glass next time. And then I tried to get a bowl, like a big bowl, the biggest bowl if I could get over the shower to dump it on her. And then she'd get me back. So one time I decided not to get her once. I got her once, she warmed back up, and then I went in for a second kill on the same shower. And then she did that to me. There's always someone that takes it just a little too far. <laughs> Isn't this true? There's always one person that goes way too far. And that was me. I got this great idea. It was such a good idea. I decided that I was going to take a little cold glass of water, not when she was in the shower, but when she was sleeping in bed. <laughs> Don't you judge me like you've, never, like you've never done something stupid in your marriage before, your relationship. Yeah, I'm not proud of it, but it's what I did, okay? It's what I did. She was sitting there sleeping all nice and soft, and I didn't pour the whole glass, but I just poured a little bit of cold water on her face. let's just say it didn't go over too well, okay? <laughs> you pour a cold glass of water on your wife's face when she's sleeping, you're gonna get the cold shoulder all night, okay? There was <laughs> not a lot of intimacy going on that night, all right? And we still are probably talking about it today because it's how much I was such a dummy in that situation. But what I want you to know today, and as we talk about this topic of getting revenge, here's what I wanna introduce to you today is this. Revenge is always a trap. It's always a trap, and it's such a sneaky trap to step over and not take the bait of wanting to get revenge, and here's why. Here's why, if you're taking notes today. It's not wrong to want justice. It's not wrong to want justice. I mean, when you feel harmed, when someone wrongs you, I mean, and it can be Little, or it can be really, really bad. Someone cheated you. Someone stole money from you. Someone mistreated you at work. They stole your idea. Someone slandered you. They told lies about you behind your back. Someone told a secret that you asked them not to tell. Someone had an affair on you. Someone damaged your reputation in a way that it'd be hard to come back from, and maybe the worst one of all, someone hurt someone you love, even your kids. When you feel an offense, listen, it's not wrong to want justice. That's not a wrong thing. In fact, when we read scripture, we learn that God, one of his greatest attributes is God is a God of justice. We know that one day all of us will stand before a holy and righteous God who is just. He's just. So in many ways, that thing you feel that boils up in you that wants justice, you were created in the image of God. And that thing that wants justice, it's very natural. It's, it's you being created in the image of God. And while that's true, let me put it this way. It's right to want justice, but it's always wrong to take revenge. And this is the big idea we're going to talk about today. There's this thing inside of us. It's right to want justice, but it's always wrong to take revenge personally. Now, when you first see that, it almost looks like a contradiction, doesn't it? And it looks like a contradiction because one of our first thoughts that comes to our mind is something like this. Well, if I don't do something to right this wrong, then how will this wrong be made right? And it's a great question. That scripture gives us an unbelievably clear answer. Now, before I show you the absolute answer from scripture that God gives us, I want to warn you up front, it is completely radical. It's so countercultural that the advice Jesus gives us, you will not hear anywhere in the world today. You won't. In fact, throughout human history, the best advice that we've been given is that when you feel wronged, you deserve to get revenge. Even the great Greek philosopher Aristotle, who influenced so much thought, he lived 300 years before the day of Jesus. Jesus was born. Listen to what he said. This is Aristotle, the Greek philosopher. To take revenge on one's enemies is nobler than to come to terms with them. For to retaliate is just, and that which is just is noble. And if you're like me, I read that and I think, that makes total sense. I mean, if, it's, if, it, if to retaliate is just and what's just is noble, then it is a very noble thing to take revenge. And this is not only the thought back then, it's the thought today. So I want you to just realize how radical the words of Jesus are, not only back then, but how radical they are today. Because listen to how Jesus weighs in on the topic of revenge. In Luke chapter 6, verse 27 and 28, Jesus says, but to you who are listening, because Jesus knows not everyone's gonna listen to his radical advice that will make your life so much better, but he says to those of you who are listening, I say this, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. It's so different. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who mistreat you. It would be almost impossible for me to overstate how radical, radical the advice of Jesus is, not only back then, but today. And you start to read the words of Jesus, and the thing that comes to our mind is this. (laughs) Well, that sounds really great, Jesus, but what about justice? If I don't take revenge, how is justice gonna be served? And scripture tells us the answer. Romans chapter 12 is the verse I wanna zero in on today, but please understand what's said in Romans chapter 12 is said throughout scripture by God from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But if you turn to Romans, which is in the New Testament, let me give you a little context as I lead into the verse. We're going to hone into it today. The Apostle Paul wrote the book of Romans, and he wrote it to Christians living in Rome. Please understand, when he wrote this, Rome was the epicenter of the world. It's where all the thinking from philosophy to ethics to law, everything centered and was based out of Rome. And Paul knew That at the time, the ethic on revenge was absolutely what Aristotle taught, what Plato taught, what they all taught, what all great philosophers taught about revenge. So when Paul's going to introduce the idea of what Jesus wants us to do, he starts by saying this in Romans chapter 12, verses 2. He says, do not conform to the patterns of this world. There's patterns you're going to see all around you. And I'm asking you not to conform to what everyone else is doing. But what am I gonna ask you to do? You have to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You have to have a completely different set of thinking when it comes to the idea of revenge. And can we just admit that maybe we need a radical change when it comes to the ethic and the idea of revenge? I mean, could we really argue today that with all the revenge going on in our world today that our world is getting better? Our world is not getting better. Our world is swimming in a sea of bitterness. And some of us know that all too well. So maybe we need a different ethic. But Paul tells us, don't conform to everything you see around you. All these people taking revenge and the, the, the Greek philosophy and the Roman philosophy, don't. I have a brand new ethic. And he goes on. It's a few verses later in verses 17 and 18, and he begins to explain it to us. He says this. He basically repeats the words of Jesus. Paul says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Are you serious? No, he goes on to say this. No, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, because listen, it, sometimes it, it does not all depend on you. It depends on two people. He says, as far as it's possible, as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And we're kind of like, okay, Paul, I mean, that, that sounds a little flowery. Um, you know, it sounds like nice, like don't repay someone does something wrong to me. I'm not supposed to do anything. I'm just supposed to live at peace with everyone. Like, come on, Paul, what about justice? You've not answered my question about how this wrong gets made right. And in the very next verse, this is the verse we're going to hone in on today. Paul gives us the definitive answer on what we are to do with the trap of revenge. Romans chapter 12, verse 19. Do not take revenge. Does it get any more clear than that? And it's almost, he's he's like appealing to us. He goes, my dear friends, do not take revenge. What am I supposed to do, Paul? How am I gonna get justice? He goes on to say this. No, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written. He just quotes scripture. This is the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 32. He's just quoting God's law here. He says, God says, it is mine to avenge. Oh, I will repay, says the Lord. Wow. There's so much richness and depth to this verse. I want to just talk about it a little bit today, because I think it's a revolutionary ethic. Here's what we learn, if you're taking notes today. Number one, we've already mentioned this, but it's right to want justice, but it's wrong to take revenge. This verse says it so clearly, do not take revenge. Do not. But let's take it a little bit deeper. Why do we wanna take revenge? I mean, think about it. Why do we wanna take revenge? And your initial answer might be, well, because I want justice. No, it's deeper than that. See, the reason that we often wanna take revenge is because we wanna deal with the bitterness in our heart. Remember what we talked about last week, that any time you reach in and take the bait of an offense, you get trapped and it immediately puts bitterness in your heart. And when bitterness seeps into your heart, you have to deal with it somehow. So what are you gonna do? And we think maybe by getting even or going above even, we'll be able to strip some of that bitterness that exists in our heart because we're so hurt. You know what's amazing? Modern science now tells us that when you take revenge in the moment, it actually does help. In 2006, a group of Swiss researchers and scientists got together and they wanted to know what happens to the brain in our bodies when we take revenge. So they invited in a group of people to participate in their research study. It was a large group of people and they put them through kind of a game where they got money. And their job was to kind of build the money, but unbeknownst to them, there was a plant in their group, and this one person cheated all of the other people out of all their money, took it all for himself, and he cheated them. And then the researchers did something that's, I think, brilliant. They gave half the people the ability to take revenge against the person that harmed them. The other group was not able to take revenge against them. And the whole time that they're doing this study, They have their brains hooked up to a machine that's scanning their brains exactly what's going on. And here's what's interesting. The group that got to take revenge, immediately the brain lit up in the region of your mind that controls happiness, joy, peace. That region of the brain kind of lit up because what? When you get to take revenge in, in, in the moment, it feels really, really good. And afterwards, they interviewed the people and they said, Didn't it feel good to be able to take revenge? And they said, Oh, it felt great. And then they interviewed the people that weren't able to take revenge and they said, Do you wish you could have taken revenge? And they, Do you think that would have made you feel better? And they said, Absolutely, I wish I would have. But then they did something interesting. Weeks and months later, they took the same group of people and they did the same research. Here's what they found. The people that took revenge were not able to overcome the bitterness and the offense and the wound that had seeped into their heart. Where the people that weren't able to take revenge, it was much easier for them to step over the offense and move on with their lives. What the research found is that when you take revenge, it leaves the wound open and you can't really move on. This is not biblical research. This is secular scientific research. But in my opinion, I love when science finally catches up with the words of Jesus. I love it. Because what this research study showed is this, is that revenge in the moment feels quite rewarding. It feels great. But revenge in the long term never releases you from the trap of offense. When you take revenge, you become the one trapped in bitterness and it never allows you to move on. This is what Jesus wants to get into our hearts because what did Jesus know? Jesus knew that revenge doesn't remove the pain, it actually magnifies it and keeps the pain with you. (laughs) And this is where some of us wanna push back. It sounds great to hear Jesus say, yeah, you, you shouldn't take revenge and should love your enemies. That sounds great. But actually, you don't know what someone did to me. And some of you here today, you have been so hurt and it's caused so much pain. And I just want to look at you today and I just want to tell you as your pastor, I'm so sorry. Sorry. I may not know your exact story, but I know a lot of stories, and the stories of sexual abuse as a child, the stories of the affair, and the wake of destruction that it left in your life, the stories of abandonment that some of you went through, the stories of harm that even if someone could, could try to give you back what they took from you, it's impossible for them to give you back what they took from you, they cannot do it. And while I may not know your pain, I want you to know that I do know pain. And in my own life, there's people I love. And they're so close to me. And they're some of the closest people to me in my life. And they've been sexually abused as children. And me even thinking about it, there's a level of rage that boils up in me. But what I know is that God sees your pain. And what God wants to tell you today is that he wants justice even more than you want justice. And so what are we told in scripture? It's this, that it's God's job to take revenge and he's better at it than you. In fact, God's better than you at everything, okay? So while you think, oh, I'm gonna dream up a great way to get revenge, God says, it's not your job. Remember, he says, it's mine. It's my role, not yours. I will repay. You know why so many times we take it into our own hands? Because we want control. We want control of the situation. God says, it's not your your job. Why? Because responding to evil with evil doesn't overcome it. It actually only adds to it. And when you add evil on top of evil, you stick more bitterness in your heart and you can't move on. And that's why someone said it this way. I love this quote. Before you embark on a journey of revenge, you should first dig two graves. Your grave, along with the person that you're trying to get revenge against. So what are we supposed to do? This is such a key part of the verse. We are told to leave room can we say this out loud from this verse? What are we told to do? If you say it out loud with me? We're to leave room. One more time, just louder. We're to leave room. This in the original language literally means to open space for God to operate on your behalf, to come to avenge you, to leave room. It's God getting in the ring to fight for you, to fight a battle you were never designed to fight. And when I read this verse, the thing, the imagery that comes to me, cause I'm a very visual thinker, the imagery that comes to my mind is tag team wrestling. Anybody grow up watching WWF, WWE stuff, you remember this? My brother was way into it. He always had it on TV. As a matter of fact, his eighth grade graduation, we went to a WWF match, a World Wrestling Federation match. Hulk Hogan was there, Randy, Racho Man Savage, I and mean, all these guys we grew up watching. And the thing about wrestling is there's, there's an event called tag team wrestling. And this is what I think we're being told to do in this verse, is that you're in the ring, and you're against an opponent that you want to take revenge against, and God is saying, I want you to let me in the ring, leave room for me, would you simply tag me in? Tag me in. And you have to tag God in. Why? Because it's his job to take revenge, not yours. And so if you stay in the ring, do you understand you will get destroyed in the ring trying to take revenge against whoever hurt you? There's rules in tag team wrestling. Once you tag someone in, you have to get out of the ring and let someone stronger, bigger, better equipped in the ring to fight on your behalf. This is what we're told by, by God of what we're to do with revenge. Tag God in. And you know why some of you don't wanna do that? Because you think you're better at it than God. And I wanna speak to just some men here today because I think men struggle with this. You don't wanna release taking revenge because you think taking revenge is a manly thing to do. I wanna tell you it's not manly. It actually makes you really small. It puts you in a fight you were never designed to win. In fact, I'll say it this way. Revenge gives us the illusion of control in a battle we will always lose. Always. So what do you do? You tag God in. If you don't tag God in and let him fight your battle and you step out of the ring, here's the fourth thing we have to know. When you take revenge, you leave God out. You've left no room for God to come to your defense because you are the one owning it versus it's God's battle to fight. That scares me. Because I know how many times in my own life, I've taken revenge. And I've left God out. And every single time I've taken revenge, it's left me bitter. It's left me bitter. And what God's telling me and what he's telling all of us is is you're not good at revenge and revenge is not good for you. It's mine. It's mine to avenge. Tag me in. And I just wonder how much time and energy and effort we've wasted in our lives trying to take revenge or dreaming up how to take revenge against someone. Anybody else relate with that? Your calling on your life is too big to want to hold on to and dream up how to take revenge for an offense in your past or present. God's calling for your future is so big. You're fighting a battle that will destroy you. Tag God in. Tag him in. And I'm speaking personally because I know how Tempting this is for me. I mean, just recently, it wasn't too long ago that I almost took revenge. What happened was there was a pastor that began to speak out not against, not only against our church but against but against several churches in our valley. And the worst part of it to me is this is a pastor that we've done so much for, a pastor that we've supported. And when he began to speak out, what I knew is what he spoke were not only not, it wasn't true, it was malicious, and it was designed to build him up while making the church of Jesus Christ low. He tried to make the church small to build himself up. And when it happened, I had a righteous anger that boiled up in me to the point where I'm just being transparent with you today. There was probably a week where I spent hours dreaming up about 10 ways that we could absolutely take revenge against him. I did. I did. And it was during that time that God just began to press on my heart. I mean, so deeply, Ashley, it's not yours to avenge. It's mine. And you will mess it up, and it'll mess you up. And it's almost as if God was telling me, tag me in. Tag me in. So that's what I did. I haven't always done this, but I'm learning that this trap of revenge is designed to destroy you. So I stepped over the offense, I tagged God in, and He will fight a battle that only He's designed to win. And I know enough from my life to know this. Every time I hand over control to God with an offense, He always comes to my defense in a way that not only makes me stronger, but protects my heart and the bitterness that can seep into my life. What about you? I wonder what hangs in the balance of you releasing control and releasing revenge. Don't you have better things to do with your life than dream up how to get revenge on someone? Aren't there people in your life that demand your best? Your spouse? Your kids? Your kids are just just begging for a mom or a dad that would get over the bitterness, because they see it, and you'll never get over the bitterness until you release your right for revenge. You have a career that is being held back because your energy and your heart is holding on to bitterness. So what kind of story do you wanna tell one day? I got revenge, and that's why I'm bitter today. Or I release control or revenge to a God who promises to come to my defense, and that's why I'm so free from the bitterness that traps so many people around me. What story do you wanna tell? I know what story you wanna tell. I know what story you wanna tell. It's just, will you have the strength to take God at his word and release revenge to him. What are we told at the end of Romans chapter 12 on this topic of revenge? Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. The only way you overcome the evil that was done to you is by releasing it to God and spending your energy on something that's good. So here's my challenge for all of us here today. It's threefold. One is, I want you to name who you want revenge against. A name, a situation, and be honest. You're only as good as you are honest. Two is, I'm going to challenge you to tag God in and leave room for Him to act. You release, you release it. You get out of the ring because two people can't be in the ring. You release it and let God come fight your battles. And then three, (laughs) you're going to redirect your energy to something good, to a marriage, to your kids, to your friendship, to your schooling to your career, to serving in ministry. What we're told the rest of Romans chapter 12 is that you know where you should direct some of your goodness? Towards the person that did evil to you. That's how you really invite God to come to your defense. But are you gonna go with what the world tells you? You get revenge. Are you gonna trust that God can fight a battle that you were never designed to fight. I'm gonna pray that you, you step over this offense. You don't get put into this trap. And the, the way I wanna to pray today is I wanna invite you to do something a little bit different. If you don't feel comfortable doing this, don't, please don't do it, but for those of you that want to release your right to revenge, and you just wanna ask God to come to your defense, you're really releasing it. I want you to ask you to pray with me right now with just your hands out, with, with hands open just like this. You can just put your hands right out in front of you just like this. And it's just a symbol to God, God, I'm releasing this. I won't get trapped. You have such great things for my life. My calling's too big to demand my right to revenge. Let's pray together. Father, for every person here today that's been offended, and for the person that it's deep, that they've held on to it for so long, today, Would you give them the strength as they open their hands to you to release it? And God, as they release it, we hold you, God, and we know what your word says, that God, it's yours to avenge, yours to repay, and God, help us to not control what you do, but to watch you act and move on our behalf as you strip bitterness from our heart. And Father, we pray this to you now, asking that you come to our defense, anything that was wronged, God, would we release it to you, and would we move on and direct our energy to things in this world that are good? In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hey, this week, don't take the bait. Have a great weekend, everybody.